are, Abe? Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with a real appreciation for the Easter message of sacrifice and redemption. Setting aside, of course, the utterly abominable foundation that we humans are the loving and cherished creation of a God who so reviles our inevitable shortcomings that we'll be relegated to eternal damnation and suffer his absence forever unless we are properly saved and forgiven, however that is achieved, according to the various dogmas, and ignoring the morally bankrupt idea that someone else can or should pay the ultimate price for our having failed to live up to an impossible moral standard, to say nothing of the often bureaucratically absurd and capricious legal one, that somehow we are then cleansed by their pain and their suffering, that through the torture and death of another we are made worthy to enter the presence of the Lord. That, of course, is very silly. And avoiding too much thought about century after century after century of corruption and outright evil at every level of the institutional church and glossing over the fact that modern American Christianity is much more about what you aren't allowed to do with your own genitals and what marginal tax rate is the most in keeping with the gospel rather than Jesus' simple message of love your neighbor and give him the stuff he needs when he needs it. Setting aside all that, the central metaphor... Delivered though it is through the pants-shittingly terrifying but also hilarious suggestion that we literally drink Jesus' blood and literally eat his flesh, the central metaphor is kind of nice, right? That redemption from failure is possible in life, as silly and seemingly pointless and painful as it often is, is nonetheless unique and beautiful and worthy of celebration together. And also, chocolate eggs and stuff. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host, that's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here, too. How are you doing, Lori? Literally eating chocolate eggs, so, you know. So pretty good. Could, could be worse. How, um, how does this uh, Easter work? Uh, wasn't it like in the middle of April last year? Like, why is this? That is a great this, like, question, Abe. Because I know the, uh, the the Muslims uh, on my end of the world, uh, they follow the moon, and that changes. And uh, so, you know, like every year moves back Are a few days. Are you ready for this paragraph on how they determine Easter? There is a, 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 an explanation? Yes, I, so I'm open it's to this. the first Sunday following right. the first full moon that occurs on or after the spring equinox. Okay, so it's a moon thing again. See, anytime it's a, there's a moon, moon thing and a spring equinox thing. Okay. Okay, so that makes sense. I don't know what the official window is. There's like a 10... I think that leaves room for some spread of... Oh, it could be as early as March 20th. Or as really? late as like Easter 20th. Easter I mean, 20th. Easter 20th. <laughs> April 20th. <laughs> wow, Okay. March twenty second through April twenty fifth are the okay is the range big window. Okay. Well, this is oh. a pretty early Easter though. It feels like to me. Yeah, it, it's a it's like those I mean, early mathematically it looks pretty early ish. We just had a full moon. I know because I slept like shit. I'm apparently you you sleep differently based yes. on the moon. I've noticed wow. this. I, no, I, it's I, true. I know, it's witchcraft and garbage. It's but not. <laughs> I have noticed like the last half a dozen of them. I'm just awake most of the night when there's a full so moon. I don't I know if it's the a, light because there's just too much no, light. We need darker curtains. No, because they've done curtains. a test and it, it, it happens in cities too where light never changes. Huh. It's 
they don't know why, but I had mentioned to someone at work, it was years ago, I was like, oh, I haven't slept well the last couple nights. And he was like, oh, it's full moon. And I was like, I don't think that's it. And he was like, it controls the oceans. You think it can't control you? <laughs> the ocean. You're more powerful and more steadfast A than the ocean. Point. Cool. Yeah. It got that ship uh, off the thing. Yeah, th- th- this full moon thing seems to do a lot. I- I'll keep an eye on whenever the next one comes to see if it affects my sleep. But that's interesting. Yeah. I... Uh... I was looking at all the news this week and found myself bored by it largely. It's a lot. Which this, is good. Yeah. Right? I mean, sure, it's if good. you're bored by the news, life is not too bad. It's a lot the same. So I didn't know what, uh, what we we're going to talk about this week, really. But here Can we, we are. we just talk about Easter more? I spent a lot of time this week reading about the immigration stuff and the, the border stuff. And I don't even want to talk about it, is how like dumb the conversation is. Because like the Republicans, they go down to the border like a what was it, a dozen Republicans or something, went down there and staged like this weird... They, yeah, they're they like filmed, on a boat, right? With, right, uh, they did this video, like Ted Cruz is like in the brush at night with a flashlight <laughs> right. pointed at the border. Like, <laughs> why am I here and you're not, Joe Biden? Like, it's just all so stupid. And uh, was it the, the the clip that I sent you, was it the Montana senator or one of the... the you, you know, oh, that's no great. Offense, I gotta find one that. of the we useless uh, states... Uh, said something amusing but it, it, this is while you're looking this up this search thing seems to like be one of those stories where it'll just sort itself out and then by like june you'll look back oh things have calmed down over there and we said was it two weeks ago now that we talked about the the border crisis and whether or not it was and it in a cert, to a certain extent yes there's a it's a crisis but it's not any more or less of a crisis than it was six months ago or a year ago right. or at the any point in the last bigger. 15 years that we've failed right. to take care of this problem over and over again. So am I like playing into the Republican talking points to talk about the border crisis when the reality of the situation is that they're just doing that so that they can put it on Joe Biden rather than for any real reason? Right. I mean, it's, it's not being brought up on that side to get to some resolution. It's just that bad things are happening on his watch. Let's blame it on him, but actually not do anything to fix it. All right. I'm going to play this video real quick of Senator Steve Daines talking about uh, his <laughs> state. The flood of Mexican meth, Mexican heroin, Mexican fentanyl. 20 years ago in Montana, meth was homemade. It was homegrown. And it had purity levels less than 30%. Today, the meth that is getting into Montana is Mexican cartel. Is this good or bad? He clearly, there's no way that that was written down and he said it as written. Because what a weird argument to make that back in my day, we made shitty meth and it was homegrown. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) I think you're missing the larger point, buddy. I mean, maybe, but also maybe that is the larger point. Right. It was so shitty that it was harmless. Like our ineptitude protected us from uh, further harm. But again, it's it's a weird argument to make. Senator from Montana, it's, Montanans are shitty meth cooks. It's just true. None of none can compete with us in the frontier spirit and appreciation for big skies or whatever. But people aren't confusing our doped up ranchers for world class chemists. Know your strengths, as Mama used to say. <laughs> Yeah, Breaking Bad did not take place in Montana um, because it wouldn't have worked. 
I didn't follow up on that. I'm not sure if he walked that back or not. When somebody says something stupid, I always look at the people behind them, and you can tell who's not paying attention. There's only like one person that made like a face. Everybody else is just like just oh, all the other senators are just shut up, waiting for their turn in front of right. the microphone. It's like yeah, Lindsey, <laughs> Lindsey Graham is tweeting at Don Jr. or something in the background. He's not actually listening to anything that's going on. And isn't Trump also going to make a, a spectacle out of this by going there to point and saying he Look, said God. that he plans on going to the southern border? I mean. On the other hand, Lindsey Graham said this weekend that when society breaks down, the gangs aren't going to come to his house because yeah. he's going to have his AR-15 ready to <laughs> mow them down as they as they try to break in. That is always uh, such a fantasy guys like him have, right? Remember when the Las Vegas shooting happened, Sean Hannity imagined himself being able to take down the shooter who was like on the 50th floor? Right. Because of skills that he has that other people don't possess. I mean, you can have a gun and still get shot. I mean, the cop didn't survive. It's because all men are actually seven-year-old boys. Right. They never really grow out of it. Well, you have to be a little humble. Be humble enough to know that they can make better meth than you. They can also shoot you. Everyone knows that when you get an assault rifle or even just a handgun, that comes with a certain set of skills, as they say. And you are functionally sainted as Liam Neeson himself and can always save the day. I admit to doing a little bit of that this week because I was reading, I don't know why. Fantasizing about shooting back? Well, yeah, because I was reading the, uh, one of the, the Boulder papers. I think it was a Boulder, maybe it was a Denver paper. One of the Colorado newspapers did a big minute by minute of the shooting that happened basically as we were recording last week. Right. Which, by the way, not to cash bets on <laughs> trauma that happens in this country, but I said as we were wrapping up last night, I think we met, or last week at the end of our conversation about the the Atlanta shootings, that the first narrative out of this, whatever else it would be, would include mention of white supremacy as being the motive. Right. Because it looked like the guy was a white guy right off the bat, and by. Literally, by mid-morning the next day, people were already compiling the tweet threads. All of them. Wasn't uh, Kamala's sister among those who jumped the gun? On Yes. The, yeah. the vice so, president, was it her sister his, or her like, yeah, stepdaughter or something? Yeah, I think her sister or, or some. No, I think uh, she was older than the stepdaughters. Okay. But, uh, but like I was saying, you know, you're, you're, it's odd, by the way, that this kid turned out to be 21 when they were describing him when it was happening. He was middle-aged. Like, he, he's so out of sorts. Well, he was when they dragged him out of there in his underpants with the the blood running down his leg, and he's got the giant beer belly and the unkempt beard. Right. He, he doesn't look. He's not a healthy twenty one. He does not look like he's twenty one. If he if you give him like an unkempt like white shirt, he'd look like that KSM picture from back in the day. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like I was saying, it seems like you know there is that information vacuum or even limited information, and people try to make hay out of it immediately. It's like this. It's almost like we've built this entire thing where you're rewarded for cashing for you're rewarded by cashing in on everybody's preconceived notions of whatever the the story is, right? And it, you now, can, do you think that uh, the egg on their face the following day was worth the cost to no, the people who jumped the gun? No, because it takes it takes half a second to step back and say, yes, in this case, maybe I was a little bit hasty with my. With, right. with what I was wrong about. But because the ideology is so totalizing, because it 
covers everything, you can just step back and say, yes, in this one instance, obviously right. I was wrong because I didn't have all the facts and that is regrettable. Not right. that I regret it, but it is regrettable. And uh, But the fact remains that white supremacy is the greatest evil in the history of the world and we need to do everything we can to combat it. And so this 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 event won't cause anyone to be more restrained the second well, no. next time and this if, happens. And especially because it doesn't it doesn't matter in the least, right? So that's, that's the right. other thing. Is that yeah. because it, it it functionally the the so-called discourse, the narrative doesn't matter at all in the real world. So no, nobody's going to pay any price for this because it doesn't actually none of it actually matters in the first place. Right. Anyway, I brought up the Colorado thing largely because I'm admitting that as I was reading the minute by minute, and it's terrifying, right? Like it's, and I find myself, I don't know if I'm just getting older and I'm more susceptible to these things, but like you read a sentence about a policeman and, you know, fuck the cops or whatever, but like the guy shows up and within 30 seconds, they're charging through the front door, like trying to solve this problem. Right. Isn't that what changed? Remember, uh, because for a while, the policy was to wait for reinforcements and then go, you know, with numbers, but then there were there were a few occasions where the waiting caused more harm, and so like they changed the policy to where you should, if you think that there's imminent harm, you should go and do something about it because the the Florida incident, uh, Stoneman, whatever, like that cop, people gave him a lot of shit for being a coward because he just waited, right, or he just hid, like he he wouldn't go in. Be, but because the training right, said because the the good guy with the gun would have likely been mowed down ultimately just like all those other kids were and right but but when you read the account of what happened there in Colorado and the cop who ended up getting shot was he pulled up right in front of the front door jumped out of his car he he met up with the two other officers who had somehow been there before even he got there and they all go in through the front door and within like a minute of him going in through that door he's laying dead on the ground by the checkout counters or whatever oh so that was him yeah so wow by the time swat and everybody else had shown up and surrounded the place and was not going in there uh those three cops had already gone in and engaged and one of them was dead and yeah like i like i said i don't know if i'm getting old or i'm just more sensitive to these things now but like i'm reading that and like have to take a second and step back and like it's highly charged and emotional. And like, that's how we should be engaging with this stuff is reading the actual thing that happened as right. best that we know. Maybe it takes a week to figure out what the fuck it is that happened. Like this article just came out yesterday, whereas the shooting happened six days before that. That's a more humane way of engaging with this, this awfulness. But it doesn't stop me as I'm, as I'm reading the rest of the article and you're hearing the accounts of people who survived, obviously, and where they were hiding and what they were doing, like they're finding storage closets or they're getting under, you know, inside cabinets at the at the deli or whatever. And not to suggest that there should have been a hero, right, or that there could have been a hero, but you think like in an action hero kind of way, like what do you grab when you're in a grocery store and all you brought was your cell phone and your wallet? Like, there's plenty of good right. weapons to, like, to grab. Not against and, guns. No, not against an AR-15, obviously. Yeah, right. And, and, and that's, that's the problem because, you know, most people, if they do carry, they carry just the regular weapon, right? They're not carrying these big-ass yeah. AR-15-style weapons. Right. So, so even, like, in the... 
I, by the way, I have no such fantasies. Like, I, I think I would get killed if I tried anything. So I would yeah, just, I'd be dead on the floor. I'd I, be I, one I would, of would the retreat. dead ones. I would not try to engage somebody who's, you know, shooting up the place, no matter how many Rambo movies I've seen. But even if you were one of those people that, oh, I like to walk around with guns and blah, 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 you would be in a disadvantage going up against a, a crazy man who's just shooting up the place, at, you know, with these high capacity. I don't know how, how fast you can shoot the whole magazine with those things, but right. it's pretty quick, I would assume. Presumably, the only advantage that you have is that you're not a crazy person and that if you can remain relatively calm and collected, that that gives you a little bit of situational superiority. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not saying, what I'm saying is that I recognize that it is both childish, but also sort of instinctive to imagine oneself in that scenario and try to figure out what you could do if run away sure but like yeah. in my head there's like oh there's grocery carts there's a lot of grocery carts you what do you, you find the <laughs> find a heavy item and fill the grocery That's cart That's a problem with, solver with a lot of uh, large hams and what are you like and, macgyver and, here like you think cans you can make of juice i they still make cans of juice those cans of juice were very heavy Abe, you've seen bob clean a restaurant like bob means business when he does stuff doesn't run like away from the problem like you and i like a Get like a sweet potato or like a Vidalia onion and just 90 mile an hour in the head. Right. That's it. like you open up a 12 pack of Coke and you just take pot shots at them from like, you know, you obviously. What if you got, if you get be a like lot of mentos, running and sliding and You can get mentos and, and put it in the Coke and spray him in the face. Right. And he will be annoyed. Like, anyway, this is horrible that I'm even, that uh, this is the level right. of conversation also, you, that we're having. But. You don't have a full assessment of what's going on because what if there's, even though almost always there's never a second shooter, what if. You, you got the best of one, and then the other guy just shoots you. It's like you you don't have a, a good assessment of what's going on. You're right. It's a lot just, of just so shots. It's, there are some people who are Flight 93 people, and there are some people who are not. And I'm, it's not a, any judgment whatsoever, right? That, right? that there are some people who on Flight 93 said, we're probably going to fucking die. And for some people, that means we're just going to sit here. And, like, that's a perfectly legitimate response. <laughs> yeah, I'm not right, but I think there's... I think the information wasn't the other people didn't have all that information that Flight 93 did, and also they they overcame like the box cutters, right? In this case, this person had right, this right, right. I'm not, high right. capacity I'm, I'm, weapon. I'm not trying to compare the two things, right. uh, apples no, for no, apples. I'm just saying that there's, right, yeah. there, there's a human instinct and right. one of two things, and I'm not judging one to be superior to the other, and I hope and. Uh, pray and what what have you that I never find myself obviously in a situation where I find out what my reaction would be. I suspect it would be to pee my pants and right. and try to freeze. run away. But you would hope that yeah, in that especially in that flight ninety three situation because you're right. I mean, in a hypothetical, better to die in if you're going to die anyways in a ditch to save others than what well, were they going to hit the Capitol or something? They were going to or the White House. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Although you know. If it's just the White House, like they 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 had evacuated the White House by that point, like, it's just the building. It's a nice building, though. You know how long it's it would have taken nice to that building. Building. Nice nice building. Wait, no. is it? Oh, Bob. What? Play the clip of what the White House is. Oh, the it is Easter after all. I should play that clip. What clip is this? Well, welcome to the 2018 White House Easter egg roll. Also, I want to thank the White House Historical Association and all of the people that worked so hard with Melania, with everybody, to keep this incredible house 
or building or whatever you want to call it, because there really is no name for it. It is special. And we keep it in tip-top shape. We call oh, it sometimes tippy-top shape. And it's a great, great place. It's an honor. Anyway, you can find that video at the website okay. at brainiron.com. Check out the show notes. <laughs> this stupid clip of Trump doing his Trump things reminded me of this terrible documentary that's on HBO Max about the, the Q QAnon? people. Yeah, it's like a six-part whatever. I don't think I'll, I have the stomach to watch all of it because they interview people who really believe it. It's like, what's not to I've understand? It all makes sense. It. And one of the clues or drops or whatever is... Anyways. Q drops, I feel like she, they, were, they yeah. were called. One of them that was that he... Trump would work in tip top tippity whatever he just said, and that would be uh, a tell that he's in on the the whole movement. So that stupid clip that you just played was proof positive to some that uh, Trump was part of some sort of whatever. And he it's couldn't just like, actually just be stupid, of course. He no. <laughs> <laughs> His but, stupidity uh, was a cover. It's very depressing to watch so many people. Anyway, yes, the White House was a very special building. Uh, what were we talking about? The Colorado but, thing? Y- y- yeah, we're talking about yeah. heroism right, before again. We, before we go back, no, that's, that's not what I was actually talking about. I want to share, I know that this is not a format where like, looking at videos is a fun way of, of doing a podcast. But That's was, exactly why we should do it. There's one <laughs> that I wanted to share. If you've seen this, this won't be as good, but... This amused me and feels germane to our uh, our conversations here on the podcast. And for the viewers at home, this is a video <laughs> of the erupting. No, I did not see this. <laughs> oh, but <laughs> does this does this feel like home, Abe? There's a, in the, obviously, no one can see the video, but it's the Icelandic. Volcano erupting, and in the foreground is a group of young ruffians playing volleyball for some reason. Okay, but without a net, it's like no hacky net. sack. It's like hacky sack with a volleyball. volleyball. But like, okay. it's, it, there's a churning volcano in the background. It's like a seriously scary thing that is behind them that they are ignoring. It's, it's really great. Like, uh, it is like some sort of deceptive kind of like forced like perspective a forced perspective thing. thing? Or, or, I don't yeah. Know. Because they're awfully cavalier. Look, no one more than anyone in this group uh, loves bu- volleyball, right? Uh, but you cannot be just dicking around when there's an active volcano right behind you. Words to live by, I mean, Abe. I'm lessons. sure the, the scientists have figured out that it's perfectly acceptable no, to play would, volleyball at this under moment. Under most circumstances, I would trust scientists. I, I don't care how many scientists said it's totally fine. I'm not just dicking around by a volcano. Volcanoes are fucking cool, though, huh? On TV, not in person. Yeah. One of those random things can hit you and you'll die. All right. I guess we should call this uh, the WGAS news segment, the Who Gives a Shit News. And we can wrap up the Colorado talk. Have you been moved at all by any of the conversation this week about so-called gun control? I read a piece this weekend saying we should stop... Call, I forget who that was. It's Frank Bruni, I think, maybe in the Times, saying stop calling it gun control because that gives the it gives the rhetorical edge to the Republicans because just by calling it gun control, you're giving them the 
the rhetorical edge in terms of uh, the narrative. I see. But I mean, what, did, did he offer a uh, alternative uh, framing or I'm language? I'm sure he did. He's not a very interesting op-ed writer, so I don't remember <laughs> what it was. But. Well, you know, the, the the only thing I would add to whatever the discussion is is. It seems like there's not going to be any movement until people kind of like say, okay, we don't like just. I would say, okay, if you're like uh, big on guns, right? Just for a moment, just imagine there was a world where everybody was into guns just like you, right? You would still be in a position to where you are out of position, so to speak, when someone with a lot of weaponry and determination comes up to you and shoots you because you're not. There are a lot of soft targets, right? There are a lot of moments, a lot of events in your life where you're not thinking that I need to kind of keep my eye out, right? Nobody goes throughout their whole day, every day for all their life thinking that a shooting is about to happen, right? So what is the solution if, there again, there's nobody who's... And also, by the way, also, like, sorry, I'll let you finish in a second. If we did, that would be an intolerable way of living in the world, right? Like if that, if the assumption was that you should be at all times on high alert, that right. wherever you are, you might be, you and your family might be murdered just in the, right. in the street, that would be utterly intolerable. And we would right. need to find some other way of dealing with the situation, right? And, and also somebody inevitably will unfortunate uh, expression, but jump the gun and like think something's happening when it's actually not and shoot back or you know kill somebody inadvertently right? right just if you're on guard at all times and also this happens way too much i mean just that it happens once is too much right but it doesn't happen enough to where it makes sense for every moment of your waking life you're worried about somebody shooting because in your personal experience it's a very rare event that you'll get shot up right so it doesn't make sense for an individual person to always be on guard it can be good for your quality of life either but what i'm saying is it seems like there's so much of uh, energy spent on saying, oh, they want to take all your guns, right? And Because that's like a winning argument, right? But set aside that, and the argument kind of falls apart. Is everyone okay just being in positions to where they're, they're going to just get mowed down? Like, you have no opportunity to do anything about it. I mean, the Dayton example is telling because th- that person who shot up the place was killed within 30 seconds because there was a bunch, there was some sort of event going on. This was a couple of years ago. There was some sort of event going on. Oh, that and was so like there was right, some, right after the Walmart shooting, right? Right. After yeah. the El Paso thing, there was a shooting and he still managed to kill like five or six or seven people, right? So like there are certain weapons you can do a lot of damage in a very limited amount of time. So before even someone who is well-armed themselves can do anything about it, you yourself may be dead or... Uh, other people will be dead before you jump in and then there's crossfire and who knows who's the good person and the bad person. It's frustrating to me because we did the assault weapons ban in the 90s and the Second Amendment was fine. Like there was no... no, But I think the the, the way that it's being presented is basically it's like these high capacity weapons and the magazines and all those things on on their own, they may sound reasonable to get rid of, but this is what part of a long-term strategy to get rid of all the guns, right? So the argument is always presented what this is the inch that they want, and then they'll take the rest later. Right. It's the, right? the, Which is camel's, true, nose, the camel's nose under the tent is any right. amount of gun control. and that Right. So, like, no matter how reasonable the individual ideas are, people are going to say that's how it starts, and then they'll come out for the next thing and the next thing. And then until that changes, nothing's going to change. But it just seems to be, like, 
people are okay with just occasionally getting shot. It's like right. a cost of doing business. Are you just, not like convinced that there's going to be a mass shooting when you're in public? No, I I have operated under the, not- the theory that nothing bad will ever happen. That's wow. not, I've, <laughs> just. But now, if it does, then it's you know whatever. But like, I just never think, oh, I'm going to get shot. Oh, I like feel I, like I, it's going to happen any second wherever I am. Really, I'm yeah. always worried about fire starting somewhere. So I always keep an eye oh, on all the okay. fire See, exits I'm and stuff like that. Never worried about that. I don't trust the fire. Humans, I, uh, I've always had a huh. uh, trust for. Like they're not gonna kill me. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think of myself as being exposed in any meaningful way. Oh um, my god! Literally, especially if I'm in public, but still at our house. Like, yeah. Some crazy person could just come into our house at any moment. It's less likely that some crazy person's gonna come into our house than. Like, if I'm just walking down the street, someone decides to, like, use their car for terrorism and just mow right, people down. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. you, you can indulge those fears in the same way that you can indulge fantasies, and both are equally likely to end up happening in the long run. I don't know. I, I wrote I wrote a long thing about free will and, and gun violence a long time ago that I'll oh, put on the website. I mean, it's it's a good essay. I really okay. I like the essay. I'm not going to get into it here, but I'll put it in the show notes. I don't think that there will be I, like Chris Murphy was on the Sunday shows, or at least one of them this weekend, suggesting that he thinks he can get to 60 votes on something, whatever it is. He doesn't know what it is yet, but he thinks that he can get to 60 votes in the Senate on some sort of reform. And I. I think that's ridiculous. I think that he's he's out of his goddamn mind. Right. If he thinks that yeah. at this point, I, and it would if if he could get to sixty, and he he said, I don't think I want to get to sixty votes. I think we can get to ninety votes. And it's like you cannot do that in this environment. You're not going to get like if you couldn't get the bump stock made illegal. Right. That I think Trump himself was also when Trump in himself favor of- came out in favor of various reforms after the Las Vegas thing. If they couldn't do anything then, if you couldn't do anything after uh, Newtown, which stands still for me as the most just, if you're trying to paint a picture of the most horrific one, it's right. it's an autistic kid who's got a hold of his, uh, his mom's AR-15 who goes into a, a kindergarten classroom or a first grade classroom and, and shoots up a school. After killing her, right? Right, after killing mom. Like, if that it wasn't enough to move the meter and, in fact, instead spawned this entire world of conspiracy around it, that it was all just a, a sham and a setup to take your guns, which, by the way, it always does, right? Every one of these is always a false flag designed to take your guns. Right. And as I've said before, if there's a false flag being done here, it's by gun manufacturers because those they are the people who benefit every single right. time one of these things happens, that the sales for guns and ammo go through the roof. Right. Same thing. I think they, they did a story on like during the uh, Asian hate story the week before. I mean, it's been the whole last year, but sales have gone up of gun purchases among the Asian American PI community, right? So, like, you're right. It seems like no matter what happens, it's like guns and the people who make them benefit. It's like uh, it's like the problem and the solution all at once. So yeah. you're going to create more people because at some point it's kind of like a, a run on the gun. Everybody's going to be forced 
to have some weapon if more if more and more people have weapons, right? Just so you can level the playing field, right? Because if everybody else has a gun and you're just walking around without, you're exposed. Yeah. My favorite talking point about gun violence in this country from the Republicans is when they say that the vast majority of death as a result of gun violence is suicide. Right. As though, no. as, as that's, that's, though that's, that's, that absolves the gun <laughs> of responsibility here in some meaningful way. Well, those sinners are only harming themselves. Well, there's, See, that, there's, it's, it's a fact that people who have easy access to weapons are and are and are suicidal are more likely to succeed in killing themselves right. than and, someone and, who does not. It's a very weird argument to make. It's kind of almost like the meth thing with the Montana guy. It's like you're facilitating an easier way to kill yourself, and you're saying that's a plot. Like, hey, or like some kid accidentally, you know, goes through, you know, the parents' uh, closet, and then they shoot themselves or their their sibling. Like, there's a lot of weird, random stuff like that that happens. Not and all you know. of this is setting aside like the obvious other end of it, which is like Tamir Rice, who was in an open carry state and was mistaken for a much older human being than his 12-year-old self and was gunned down in a park because he had a fake gun in his hand or about his person, despite the fact that like he's in an open carry state where there should be no problem with him walking around with a gun, in theory. That That's the one... Uh, that, that's one of the one of the oddest thing about this is that in America it's like a gun culture and supposedly and pro guns and this and that. But when people in in the regular world have a gun, people react to it like they would anywhere else. Like, oh shit, a fucking gun! Like you would think, oh, it's like if you're like in a, a nudist colony, right? You shouldn't be surprised that people are naked, right? right. And so, like in a gun country why the fuck are, everybody always freaks out when somebody has a gun like holy shit that guy's got a gun and cops too they should be like oh some kid is uh, exercising their rights but nope let me kill him because he's got yeah, a who gun was which it? Is was it uh, Philando Castile who was who told the officer who pulled him over right. that he had a weapon in the glove compartment that it was legal and it was just letting you know sir right and then he gets right. shot yeah you would think that it should be like oh okay yeah no problem gun I, I got plenty of those but it's not. It's treated like, oh, shit. I mean, danger. Somebody said, who was it? Who was, I forget now. Was it Cotton? One of them was talking about how it needs to be easier, that it should be easier to get a gun than it should be to vote. Oh, no, it was that stupid Christian blogger. Yeah, it was no, Matt some, Walsh. Some, it was yeah, that piece some, of shit. Who yeah. Somehow, what are, we're almost a year into this, and I don't think that I've said the the name Matt Walsh into the microphone has he kept a low profile, maybe? Like he's been like... Uh, no, I just don't no. follow him on Twitter. I've been able to. And, okay. And also my cousins who used to share his stuff have blocked me. They blocked him. So. Oh, really? <laughs> it doesn't pop up on Facebook anymore because his cousins who follow him anytime have blocked Bob. Would, anytime they would post a Matt Walsh column... Which I would, is appropriate. I would write an essay talking about what a piece of shit uh, the column was. Because he's first of all, he's a, he's not good uh, he's not he's a bad one and he's very easy to dismantle he didn't make very strong arguments either so like uh, there are people in your family that uh, buy into whatever he's saying like, yes. don't worry they're not listening yeah they're okay. not listening <laughs> <laughs> because like he said it should be easier 
to have a gun than it is to vote, right? It's like it's like Laura Ingram just say it, says things. Right, but what I don't understand is like a lot of places when there are a lot of guns, it doesn't make things better. I mean, like there are, there's a lot of gangs in different parts of the country, right? They all have guns. It doesn't. No, those are okay. those are illegal guns, and those right. are black people, so it's different. Right. Well, and I and I understand that like licensing and registration are anathema to a lot of the gun rights crowd but i think of that in the very same way that i think of voter id which is that just give a little to get a little if you're if you're a person who's concerned about voter fraud then you say things like well it's not you know it's a little difficult to get an id maybe but like that's not such a high bar to clear to be allowed right. to participate in the democracy like right. the same goes as far as i'm concerned on the other side with the guns, which is that, yes, you're sort of giving a little to the tyrannical government, right? You're, you're allowing them to know about your gun and you have to be licensed. And, and maybe there are some steps where if you want to own a handgun, handguns are relatively easy to operate and they have a, that's, that's a class A license or something right. like that. Right. And if you want to operate a heavier duty weapon. You have a different thing for a, you have a class B for a shotgun no, and you right, have yeah. a class C yeah. for it's the same as cars. Right. But I, th I think there, there is uh, a distrust in the uh, end goal. Right. So like uh, a good comparison would be. Right. But we cannot allow the absolute worst case scenario the the slippery, the bottom of the slippery slope to dictate how we're no, going no, to I'm do policy. Right. No, I'm just saying that the reason why there's pushback against them, even the most sensible or reasonable or low bar to clear kind of initiatives, uh, a good comparison would be a abortion. Like you're saying, oh, give a little, take a little. Every modification to the abortion laws in these states, they don't care about the, oh, they, it needs to have, uh, you know, the admitting privileges or this rule or that. All of those things are just made up nonsense because they want to, prevent people from having abortions right but they don't come out and say that in all instances right so they'll say no uh for the health of the the whatever we want to make some sort of restriction on abortion uh, on abortion uh that way it'll limit the number of facilities that can provide it right so right. they're trying to achieve an end result which is to get rid of abortions altogether and so you in that context if you were pro-choice you wouldn't be you wouldn't want to give any one an inch and i suspect that a lot of people on the gun side they think that all of these reasonably sounding things are efforts to get to the end goal of getting rid of guns altogether so maybe there should be some sort of like look i'm like you know like we are for individuals being able to protect themselves but this is mass shootings are a problem to everyone they're not isolating a few people here and there people are just randomly getting killed at in every state at at random, right? right. So, and, the, but and you should come out and admit, like, this isn't going to solve the problem of people taking these weapons and using them in ways that lawful people wouldn't. But it, that's how all laws are written, right? Which is that if right. if everybody just behaved in rational ways, we wouldn't need any of the laws. Exactly. Yeah. And at some point, you have to accept something. And I, I I don't know what it's going to be, but the the more these things happen, and, and it's the final point that I make in the essay that is you can find in the show notes is just that if this becomes the standard 
the 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 way of living is just this constant and 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 yeah maybe some of it is made up and blown up by the media right most people are not going to walk out of their house and at some point in their lives end up in a situation where there's a lunatic with an AR15 gunning a crowd down that doesn't happen right. it, it's very very rare but, but if it, it doesn't does happen it's going to happen in America and it's going right. to right it, so and, and it will happen enough times that it will be on television and it will create an atmosphere right. that is just entirely intolerable. Right. And the longer you allow it to go on, the more intolerable it will be and the more harsh the fix will end up being, right? The, the, right. the more severe and draconian the, the method of, of solving the problem will be. Right. And at that point, I don't think it would – if they go over the top – so to speak, it would it would almost make the problem worse because there would just be like a black market right, of, right. you know. Don't be ridiculous. There are yeah. 400 fucking million guns in this country and more every year, and they're not going anywhere. We and, can look Especially to, with the 3D printing uh, technologies right, and all that shit. to say nothing yeah. of the fact that, like, we are <laughs> – somehow this hasn't happened yet, even though the technology is there. We are half a step away from people being able to 3D print an entire arsenal in their basement and order – Ammo, because obviously you can order all the ammo you want right. and order ammo to go into it. Right. So like uh, someone once said, soon the barn will be out of the horse on this, where it won't even matter <laughs> what sort of law you pass. You can print guns for the yeah. shits and gates. All right. Real quick, back to our conversation from last week. I want to play a little clip because I realized listening back, editing last week's show, that I didn't have a great answer for... Why does it matter that these things get talked about in a way that isn't true? Like you kept like saying, the, okay. what's the, like, yes, it's not ideal, but ultimately it will fade. And what's, what's the big deal? And I said, I don't know. It just matters that you tell the truth. Right. And the, I want to play a clip. will emerge. Right. Yeah. Right. I want to play a clip from Meet the Press with Chuck Todd interviewing Judy Chu, a House representative out of California. Welcome back to our special edition of Meet the Press, focusing on gun violence. Later this morning, members of the Congressional... Right, pause for a second. First of all, Chuck, you cannot have a very special edition of Meet the Press uh, every other goddamn week. <laughs> They're all special. They're all special. The news is always breaking. That's like... You just have to... <laughs> it's always Breaking that. news is not enough anymore, though, now. Right. Because Chuck, three times a month, though there are only four or five week Sundays in any given month... <laughs> Look at that. Is, Pace on his, he looks like shit there. He's talking about a very, a special edition of Meet the Press. He looks exhausted. Get the exhausted. fuck out of here. Do they change, it's only special if they change like the graphics. No, it's just special. All right, back to the clip. This morning, members of the Congressional Asian Pacific American Caucus will visit the three Asian-owned spas in Georgia where a shooter killed eight people, six of whom were women of Asian descent. The March 16th attack was the most violent and deadly of the thousands of anti-Asian attacks that have occurred during the pandemic. Congresswoman Judy Chu is the chair of the caucus, and she joins me now from Atlanta before she spends the day there. Congresswoman, thank you uh, for coming on. Thank you for let me, me. Let me start with the issue of, of dealing with both the access to guns and this issue of rising xenophobia uh, in, in America. And I want to focus specifically on the issue of, of, of hate crimes, because Georgia has a hate crimes law. But... Whose job is it to decide what is a hate crime? And I think that that seems to be an issue that we're dealing with in, the, in, in Georgia. What say you on this issue? Well, this is exactly the reason why we have our congressional delegation 
coming down to Georgia. We are going to be tracing the steps of this shooter. We are first going to Cherokee County, where the shooter targeted this spa called Young's Asian Spa. You see, it's right there in the name. And in fact, where only steps away, he purchased his 9mm handgun with no waiting period. Then we are going to drive the 27 miles to the two other Asian spas, which are side by side, where he was able to shoot even more people. And it becomes clear to us, all three spas were Asian spas, where there was a certainty that if he shot into them, he was going to kill Asian women. And so to us, it is clear evidence that this is a hate crime. But what we are concerned about is whether local law enforcement will indeed prosecute this as a hate crime. That's why we are calling upon the right, Department of Justice that. to right. ensure um, that there are the resources. So first of all, with Chuck, when Chuck Todd frames the question as saying this event that happened in Atlanta is the worst of the preceding well, year's worth of 3,800 ha- right. hate crimes. Right. So he's doing all of the work there, first of right. all which is to, to go ahead and just acknowledge, as he would put it, that this is a hate crime against the Asian American community in some way, which it's not, right? So that's a lie. It's either a lie or he's wrong. But it's, to me, it's, it's an obvious lie. And then for her to say, to her, for her to make the case, and the, the entire case rests entirely on circumstance, right? Like, literally, this is all just circumstantial bullshit. And now, you can say that, yes, as we discussed, there are systems in place, structures of supremacy and racism that have led to the fact that, for whatever weird reason, there's a lot of Asians running massage parlors, and of those Asians running the massage parlors, they hire a lot of Asians to do the rub and tugs in there, right? Like, all of those things are true, but... None of that is actually, it's not actually the case that this was a hate crime in all likelihood, in, in the way that they're framing it, right? Right. But so, and, and, and I side with your framing, although, like I, going back to what I said last week, does it really, and maybe you haven't asked for it, just to kind of, uh, just kind of highlight what they're saying. It's basically, this person intentionally targeted establishments that were owned by Asian people, right? So the, so they're, there, it's like a overlapping characteristic here. So the places he targeted were Asian-owned establishments. Most of the people, almost all the people were Asian. Six of them were women. And so the way that they're – it seems like their standard is lower than what the legal standard for a hate crime is. And so basically saying if it looks like a hate crime, it sounds like a hate crime, taking away the intent of what the real reason for what, why he did the things that he did, if you take that away – then it fits all the other elements, except the most important element, which is you know the intent, right? So if you set that intent aside to say, oh, this person's unreliable and he's a killer, so who gives a shit? Uh, all the other elements meet the criteria for them to meet the hate crime thing. So I think they're wrong on that, but like, does it, at the end of the day, I mean, this person will be found guilty of murder eight times over. Does it matter? It doesn't matter in the sense that you're thinking of probably, but it matters to the extent that somebody watches Chuck Todd introduce the segment saying, so somebody's watching that, right? And something like 60% probably of the audience doesn't think automatically 
Like, and I don't have any idea what the percentage is. Oh, but you I, think, I, I think most people take it as, I mean, if the, the, the buffer uh, hosts uh, are any, any indication, most people that just kind of casually follow the news accept it as fact that this is a hate-based on race crime, right? Maybe, they, think, maybe they do. Right. But the, I haven't there's seen any a, polls on this, but I would imagine that 60, 70 percentage of people yeah. who recognize that what Chuck that what Chuck Todd is saying there is a lie, and it's a lie that disqualifies everything that follows in their minds, right? Like this is a, what I'm saying is that the, this is a problem of institutional legitimacy, because if Chuck Todd is going to get up there and tell a lie, then there is a percentage of the population who's watching that. Or who is no longer watching that. They'll just turn it the fuck off. They will not engage with it or they will engage with it only to say that this is, this is quote unquote fake news, that it's all but, made up and it's total bullshit. But do you think – I think you're uh, unique in this point because I, I think there are a lot of people that would disagree with the characterization or, or they'll say it's too soon to say, right? But I don't think anybody is dying on this hill of eight people died, all the places were Asian establishments – they're not going to – I mean cause it's a very small point of correction to say that technically this doesn't fit the hate crime based on, on race, maybe on gender would be stronger. But I don't think anybody's changing the channel over that. Do you think him like leading the witness sort of to say, well, we all know that this is part of a trend and it culminated in all these people dying and it's the worst of all of the examples that came before it, that somebody's changing the channel? Like I think you and maybe other, one other person would notice, wait a minute, what the fuck are you talking about, Chuck? Like that – we don't have that – What I'm saying uh, is that if you're looking for a reason that trust in the institution that is the media is at an all-time low and, right. it is consi- and that, that goes for both parties – it doesn't matter how you identify politically. I mean, obviously, it's worse for Republicans that there's a functionally no trust in the mainstream news media from the Republican side of the aisle. But if you're wondering about how we got there, I would suggest that not telling the truth is a really good way of getting there. And I'm not right. saying that somebody had a eureka moment sitting there watching Meet the Press on Sunday morning when Chuck Todd told that lie and framed the conversation in the way that he framed it. But I am saying that, that it's reasonable for a person sitting there to say that's bullshit, right? right. There, that there's a good reason why there is such a low level of institutional trust in the news and, media. And, and it's because and, of shit like this. Right. And, and you know, Chuck Todd could have gotten the same answers, responses, because the lady was going to say what she was going to say, no matter what, however he framed it, he probably could have presented the question just dryly, just like this, hey, what is your take on what happened? So far, they haven't charged a hate crime. What is your, you know, basically just kind of stick to the information we have. Don't editorialize to say or or ask right an interesting now, question like what difference does it make whether or not we charge him with a hate crime give me the philosophical underpinning for right. why it matters that this kid get charged with a hate crime because what you're saying is that this will have some sort of cultural or sociological impact because ultimately it doesn't matter in terms of his punishment he right. like as you've said he's going to get eight life sentences or whatever because right. he mowed down eight people he's not right. going to get out of jail anytime between now and the year 3000 so it doesn't matter whether or not we tell me representative right. judy chu why it matters make the case for why hate crime legislation matters even a little bit in right. terms and, of and sociological I, and cultural impact i suspect after they say how dare you they would say something along the lines of it's a recognition of the community that feels this is what happened it's a validation of 
the the fear and the hurt. You know, so it's, it it serves a different purpose other than the legal purpose. I mean, there's an actual there are actual hate crime laws, so it has to meet the elements based on whatever you know state that you're in. And if it doesn't, then it serves this other purpose, and people want it for that other purpose. And to once me, we like, get ah, to well. murder, once we get yeah. to murder, hate crime is out, as far as I'm concerned. If you want right. to find a way to escalate an assault because you can prove that some asshole on the sidewalk who's walking down the street assaulted someone on the basis of nothing more than the color of the person's skin or something like that, and you want to say that somehow that's a, that that's an escalator that it goes from a mandatory ten to and also I thought we were against the carceral state i thought we didn't want to imprison everyone for long periods of time but but that aside right if you want to say that this sort of violent felony assault goes from a 10 to 12 year mandatory sentence to a 12 to 15 year mandatory sentence based on the hate crime legislation okay i can listen to that sort of argument i guess in in terms of sending a message to the culture and to the world that we won't tolerate certain kinds but that's of not the only ideological behavior, right? Right. But but once you get to murder, you've done the worst thing. I don't want to hear about any escalators as far as that's concerned. Right. But the counter argument to that would be like if you were just wanting to kill people, you know, specifically, then it's a very narrow number of people you're killing. If let's say uh was it in Pittsburgh, the synagogue shooting? Like, that person was just trying to kill Jewish people, right? And so that's a much larger target. It's important to categorize that as a hate crime, right? It's not just the people he killed. Any it's, important Jewish to, person it's important to categorize it in terms, of an in, in terms of academic study, in terms of wondering about the culture and, and, and our, our society. But I don't think it's important to categorize it in that way in terms of the administration of justice. I, I don't buy it. Right, but you don't. So you don't think because the the threat to the public is greater when your target is, it's a larger pool of people that could have been harmed by your actions, right? If you have an individual hate against one person, it's still a crime and it's still heinous, but it's against one person. But if you your target, it doesn't matter which Jewish person you kill or which black person you kill or which woman you you know run okay, over. Okay, but then how? So so take tell me about the guy in Vegas then who just wanted to right, shoot yeah, up that, like, yeah. completely indiscriminate because because now you're just widening the pool, the indiscriminate I mean, it, pool of humanity. But, right. right. So but, that to me that to me is then by the logic that you're presenting me is actually worse than than, so, than targeting a subset. Right. So so the. Uh, Las Vegas shooter would fall under like uh, extreme indifference. Like it's not targeted toward anybody, but ev- anybody could have been killed. But it's not. It doesn't take any shape. But also, does it matter at all in terms of the administration of justice and in terms of preventing these so, because, sorts I mean, of things in the future? Of course right. it doesn't. No, because it doesn't. Because eight people – let's say if you just killed eight people for spite, whatever the sentence for that is, and you killed eight people for, for some uh, protected class hate, right? You're not seeing the other side of prison. You're going to be for the rest of your life in prison. So – in effect, it won't change anything for the purpose of cataloging the crime and for study and things like that. Then, yes, it's important. But eight life sentences versus eight life sentences plus 2,000 years, what difference does it make? Like whatever they tack on with the hate crime thing is not – it's a negligible addition. But people – I think what I realized from this uh, Asian uh, incident you know, in Atlanta is that it's important for people to – to, to have that categorized a certain way. And to me, like it's, it, was, it was already not doing much to begin with because the lion's share of the punishment, almost all of it, is from the base crime. And so long as he's convicted on that, to me it's just 
if people think that this is a hate-based thing, even though I find that argument I lacking. And I don't, I don't want to relitigate the conversation we had last week because right. I think we did a good job with it last week. But I, I just can't get past the fact that – because what you're saying is that we've created an environment where millions of people feel like this was a hate crime. Right. And that right. therefore we must justify or, or, or try to soothe those feelings in a certain way by calling it a hate crime and punishing him in such well, a no. way that makes it worse. Just because we've created this environment that's, that's made up. That's, it's just not <laughs> right. true. I, I, I will say that in the discourse, to me, it doesn't matter so much. Like the, the, to this day, there still has been no charge of a hate crime based on uh, race. I don't think that that's going to change. Right. So – if that stays the way it is, then it's not really a big deal, right? I mean, they're, they're not, you know, the prosecutors are not going to just willy-nilly just throw the hate crime charge just to kind of please the, the people. I don't know. But what I know is that telling the truth matters. That's, that's all I right. can, that the, the, the noble lie is not an acceptable way of conversing in public. Right. Uh, whether it's whether it's here or whether it's Fauci or or whatever it is, and I agree, um, I, the truth is important. I just kind of give a, a, a longer time frame to get to the truth. A, as usual with us, the big news happens like as we're recording or the next day, and right. then like a whole week progresses. But excitingly, the the ship situation in the Suez Canal has resolved itself. It started, I think, last Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken, and then this early this morning. They finally got it unstuck over there. So when the story uh, first came out, they were saying that it could take so many days and such and such money would, would be like $10 billion a day of lost, whatever, they it could blah, be, blah, blah. They, it could be weeks or a month or something. Right. Like they, they thought this could go on for quite some time. Right. So it, it made the option of going around Africa like a possibility – because if, right. you're right. If, if it's going to be weeks, then what is it, like 10 days or whatever to get around Africa and go back to Europe? I would imagine some of the ships actually took that option. And now <laughs> they must be feeling pretty silly. Although I wonder if they could just circle back. I mean, how far could they have gone in the last like five days? I, right. like, they can go pretty far in five days. But apparently it takes like 10, 12 days to go all the way around. Man, see, again, even though it's 2021 – all the people who've romanticized the past, this is how things used to have You have to go 10 days to get around places. Like now you can just fly in a few hours. Life is a lot better now. Uh, yeah, but you can't fly all of our stuff. That's true. But most people can fly to and fro. One people. of the, uh, w w one of the uh, early argu uh, reasons that they gave uh, for why this big-ass ship got stuck was the wind like the wind played a role. And in the last episode, I would not accept, or was it a couple of weeks ago, whatever, the last few episodes, when I wouldn't accept the argument that the person had a sex addiction. Like I'm starting to like not accept people's explanations right. these days. <laughs> and there were two examples of the wind being the explanation. They both have come off it since, but the ship said the wind pushed, you know, veered the, this big ass ship off course enough to where it got stuck. And then like the week before old man Biden, uh, it didn't last for very long, but for like a couple hours in the immediate aftermath of his triple fall up the stairs. They the, blamed the wind. They, the deputy press secretary said the wind, he got caught up in the wind. And, and to me, that seems like a, such a weak argument. I can't imagine a big ship like that. The wind would, somebody fucked also, up. Also, wait, real quick, back to Biden. 
tripping up the stairs <laughs> is not an unusual thing for any normal human person to do, right? I do it all the time. It happens. Like, it's just a thing that your toe catches on the stair weird and you fall. And then now your brain is sort of fucked up and you may, maybe you do it again. And especially if you're goddamn 80 years old. Right. Uh, <laughs> your, your that's, not, that's not nearly as bad as, as a breeze came by and knocked <laughs> over the president. Right? Like that. <laughs> the wind blew him over is so much worse an explanation than he tripped going up the stairs. That's true. He's at, like trying so to do his that... light jog up the stairs that he does. Right. But yeah. That, anyway, that... back to the ship. Yeah, that makes sense. So the, the the more you read about the story, is, is it's kind of amusing. But isn't the bottom line that the they lost power for a couple of hours or something? Like they is lost. That what the, happened? I think that that was the explanation that I read. And they lost power, and then they, so they're just drifting, and they end up drifting sideways, right, getting wedged into the into the beach there. Which, by the way, I didn't know, color me ignorant, I didn't know that the Suez Canal wasn't lined with, like, concrete or whatever. Right. That it's just, it's just beach. They just dug out the sand, and yeah. they just, like, I would have guessed, I would have bet any amount of money that that was, like... <laughs> A piece of actual infrastructure, yeah, and not just like the Panama one, right? Like the not that not as intense as the Panama one because yeah. the Panama one you have like you have to do the you thing, have the, the different you can, locks because you're going yeah. from the Pacific Ocean to yeah. the Atlantic Ocean and they're different sea levels, right? So you need to like you know that that's a whole different that's an entirely man made thing. They right. dug out the the isthmus, can never say that word, the isthmus, isthmus, yeah, um, yeah, to make that work. But I didn't realize that the Suez Canal, they just like dredged the ocean some in order right. to get the ships through. And surprisingly, this hasn't been a problem before. You think, based on the way it looks and how narrow it is, you would think this would have happened before. Interestingly enough, before this big ship ever, whatever it's called, ever given, um, there was a <laughs> – I thought this was a joke, but before it went into the, the narrow path of the canal, this yeah. ship just kind of circled around for a little bit, and it – you know, like sometimes uh, weather people or like, uh, uh, you know, NFL play-by-play uh, -play people, they use the illustrator, and they end up <laughs> on drawing the a penis. Yeah. <laughs> they accidentally draw a dick on the screen. Yeah, yeah, it's great. So apparently the ship circled or – circled enough to make two balls and then did a long roundabout to make a, a, a penis looking kind of shaft and and then it the went ship in drew a perfect cock and balls <laughs> in the ocean before it went into the canal it's as remarkable though, as though it were a joke as though the captain was doing a bit you can go to the show note and we will show you the link to I the picture there it. i'll show Lori now but i like, feel like this whole ship stuck in the canal thing has made me feel calm. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I don't know why. It just seems like sometimes shit gets stuck somewhere. The, the and it's nice to know that that happens on a global scale. Maybe this is like a well-known procedure. You need to do the, the penis thing. You have thing. to do the cock and balls <laughs> before you go in into the, the ocean. Suez. Before you can penetrate the Suez Canal. Isn't there I mean, it's just perfect. Like, it's it's just too... I don't... Oh, yeah. <laughs> it looks like it's going into a butt. <laughs> Isn't there some sort of tradition when you cross, like, the 
equator. I read somewhere there's like when people are on these ships, if they go past something they're supposed to drink, maybe there's some tradition that we're not aware of. Uh, they'll get to the bottom of this. But do you know how hard it is to maneuver these fucking ships? It takes. It probably. T- I'm sure you can see on the the radar. However, they track these things. It probably took like. A couple of hours to draw would, that big dick and balls in the it'd ocean. It'd be great if the final report, the investigation, reveals that uh, the penis drawing, they used up all their steering and, like, they had to go in, like, in a refractory <laughs> period where they couldn't steer their way out of it. And that's what led to the... What a disaster. Because <laughs> it's billions of dollars a day. The moon saved the day, though. Uh, we were that's talking right. about the moon earlier. And I'm disappointed. I don't know if I just missed it, but I feel like that should have been predicted. That the that the supermoon, the the very big full moon that we had, was going to do something to the water, to the ocean, that would hopefully right. help. But I I don't think Probably I heard a that. a current scientist would know more about that. Yeah, got it worked out. But I, I don't know what the investigation will reveal. Something 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 went wrong. Besides just the explanation that they gave. Well, I I know that in the Panama Canal you have to have. Like, let's say you're a, a ship's captain of one of these gigantic, and they're just enormous. Like, Aren't the scale they? of these things is unreal. But you're not they allowed— They have all of our stuff. Right. You're not allowed to drive your own container ship through the Panama Canal. When you get to the Panama Canal, you load on a crew, or at least a captain, whose entire job is to hang out at the Panama Canal and get on container ships and guide them through— the Panama Canal. I don't know if if they do that in the Suez or not. I guess I could have looked that up ahead oh, of time. Oh, interesting. If they I did have not know special that. So maybe, captains for that. Maybe that's what the dig and balls was for, like a protest by him. Like I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna go. <laughs> it's a lovely story. Yeah, yes. I mean, I enjoyed and, it. It and, was and it cute. resolved itself within a week. You know, not right? It's like no, relatively little harm done. There's, it's not it like there. It just feels good. I mean, obviously, right. you feel bad for all of the trafficked Asians who died in the container ships. No um, one has died I yet. I feel bad. I'm going to be, all no, of the, us the, are going to be pissed off in a few weeks when something we want isn't available uh, Yeah. for a couple weeks because it was on that ship. But like, that's nice. That feels good. Yeah. yeah. How much, so you ever go on eBay or you, you're, you're on Amazon or eBay and you're looking for a product. Right. And, and it says like, yeah, we'll sell this thing to you for like. A dollar thirty, and you're like, you're gonna sell me this thing for a dollar thirty? Like, this is a weird part right. that I like. A, it's a battery cover for a remote control from like 1980 <laughs> or something. Like, who knows what the fuck it is? But it's like this will cost a dollar thirty. Shipping is is minimal. Shipping is like another dollar. Right. It's good, but it's gonna take like 12 to 16 weeks. It's right. Like, right. Wait a second. What's happening here? And what's happening there is that they're gonna take it from a shelf in china right and put it in an envelope and then put it on a container ship that's going to go through the fucking suez canal and all the way across the world and it's going to take that long to fucking get here right case in point um many years ago i I must be the only person in in the united states who's in the market for like a coin purse uh this is not good for a podcast but you guys can see this is so one I of those this. little. So so I'm gonna describe it. It's like I can't. I can't. On a keychain, it's yeah. one of those little like rubber mouths. It doesn't right. actually <laughs> hold it properly. Right. You. you, you what if, are you using change for? You squeeze well, it back and in the, the day, mouth opens. No, yeah. no. Now, what are you using change for well, now? Not so much now. This is probably the same coins that I had in March of 2020 because I haven't. <laughs> 
But, you know, like that would be like a soda machine at work or whatever. And, uh, you know, they I, take... I, I just disliked having coins in my pocket. And most people have some sort of uh, receptacle when they the get home. Best, this is <laughs> the best conversation I've had in weeks. <laughs> Is Abe looking for a coin purse? Keep yeah, because I dislike having just it in my pocket. And when I get home, most people put it in a thing, in a jar, and it accumulates. But I hate the coin so much, I used to throw them away. And I'm like, this is not a good solution. And so <laughs> I went on eBay and... I this- used to commit actual crime, <laughs> federal crime, just throwing away currency. It just- it's the little things that get me. Most things I'm pretty, uh, I just don't like coins just being around things. Anyways, this thing was like maybe two ninety nine, maybe, but right. it's like 12 weeks or well, well, it'll be there when it'll be there. It'll be some sort of like, fuck you guy. So <laughs> this could have been on the suit. No, we're ship. not going to prioritize your stupid rubber coin purse. And also, it's li- it's literally nobody in America makes it, you know. Right. I gave the no, Americans a no chance. No America. That's that's what other countries are for. That's right. By the way, and not for nothing, but it's a fucking modern miracle, right? Like this has always blown me away that like these sorts of products that that get made in China, like the the economies of scale that are necessary to produce these things that just cost like five cents, right? Right. So you can go on Amazon and you can order like a, a bolt or a a, a a screw or something, that you, a special order screw. Right. And for literally like seven cents. And then right. they'll stick it in an envelope and they'll send it to you for like a dollar ten or something. Right. Right. And so you've gotten the exact thing that you need and it's going to travel completely around the goddamn world. It's going to go on one of these massive city-sized container ships, and it's going to end up in your fucking pocket uh, right. three or four months from now. But, right. but still, it's <laughs> fucking amazing. Right. That was who gives a ship. Am I right? <laughs> uh, real quick, do you have any thoughts on the Chauvin trial getting underway? The the I, cop who killed George Floyd. Make sure they're good thoughts. Maybe, maybe I just wasn't paying attention. I was not aware that they were going to uh, uh, televise it. Was oh, I'm say, not going to watch. I don't no, want to watch any second of that. But I wasn't aware that they were even going to do that. I was like, oh, why is this on? Because I was flipping the channel earlier today while I was working very hard, uh, and uh, it was just on, on all over the channels. Like, I don't know. It's going to last for like four weeks. I don't know who'd be interested in watching that, but. I don't have any other. A lot thoughts. of people have not a lot to do, yeah. but it's, it's not a very complicated story. I mean, ninety percent of the information yes. most people have already There's seen. Not, as right, we you could open do, the show talking about how nothing's going on. We could do the whole right. trial right now, right? right? Which is the the prosecution is going to say that George Floyd died because Derek Chauvin put his knee on his neck for nine minutes, and the defense is going to say he was going to die anyway, and Chauvin was. Uh, just doing the normal police procedure the way that he was trained and that Floyd had a bunch of drugs in his system and uh, and yeah, probably would have died anyway is what they'll say. They, they, don't, they need to come up with a charge where it's like, uh, like murder or like homicide by way of spite, right? Because like he, the, 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 the cop like had his knee on much longer than he would have otherwise had it just to tell the people that were telling him like he's being a it's dick it's just called murder i not, think not a, not a hate crime but a spite <laughs> crime it's a spite crime and that should actually uh, a few additional charges should be added to that yeah but uh 
It'll be interesting to see how this whole thing, because to me, like, they'll get him on one of the three charges, right? I think the yeah, well, scenario because the be- judge added back in the third degree one, right? Right. Just before they got started. And that'll I think be probably he'll be what found they end guilty, up going with. Right. He'll be found guilty, but he'll probably get like a, uh, a sentence that's like not as much as people would want. And there may be some. Yeah, sort of there's like, no, there's no good outcome here, and I don't know what a good outcome would look like. Obviously, it's I, because there isn't one. I don't think that finding Chauvin guilty of first degree murder somehow solves the problem, and I don't think that him getting off obviously would be good or solving the problem either. I, I, uh, my suspicion is that murder in the third degree, he'll get something between like eight and twelve years. It's quite a prediction. I we'll mm-hmm. have to note that one. All right, very quickly here to uh, philosophy class with Abe. Abe, are you familiar with the thought experiment that is uh, the experience machine? No. Uh, how does that one go? All right. Very simple. The easiest way to explain it to anybody post-1999 is uh, imagine the Matrix is real, and you can be the bad guy from the Matrix, Teddy. Not Teddy. He Teddy? was te- he was Teddy what? in Memento. Wasn't that Smith guy? Who's, who's no, the bad guy? Yeah, so there's Agent Smith, but the human bad guy in The Matrix, the 1999, the first Matrix movie, as you would say, the only Matrix the only movie. only Matrix movie, yep. Is Cypher, right? The, he's... Uh, Joe Pantoliano. Joe Pantoliano. Oh, is he the one who was eating the steak? And he's like, oh, right. this is so great. So the, the experience machine thought experiment can be summed up very neatly, actually, in that scene. And maybe I'll play the clip here, uh, just because it's a great scene. Do we have a deal, Mr. Reagan? You know, I know this steak doesn't exist. I know that when I put it in my mouth, the Matrix is telling my brain that it is juicy and delicious. After nine years, you know what I realize? Ignorance is bliss. Then we have a deal. I don't want to remember nothing. Nothing. You understand? But basically, he says, my brain thinks that what's happening is great. There's no reason for me to continue living this real-life world where I experience all of this pain and suffering for no reason when the alternative is is just constant pleasure, right? So imagine that there's an experience machine and your brain will only experience pleasure from here on out. You can even set the parameters for what right. that is. You could say, on fucking Wednesdays, I'm going to ride my bike up to the park and watch volleyball for three hours. <laughs> and that's sun- what my Wednesdays are going to be like. And the sun will set whenever the fuck I want it to. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All the daylight savings. Right. So the experience machine is available to you. You can plug in and you will live out the remainder of your days. Let's let's assume that it's not uh, – you're not plugging into the singularity. This isn't some right. sort of AI thing A good where you're now going to live forever. Yeah. Yeah. So your natural life will proceed. Your, your basic biological functions will be provided for. You'll live uh, however long you were going to live. Right. And we won't tell you. Right. you maybe you were going to die in a car accident uh, next week, and oh, that's yeah. when you'll die. Definitely don't or, tell me. It was going to ruin the last right, right. week. Not going to yeah. tell you. Maybe you'll live yeah. a long, healthy life to 97 years okay. old. But it, your body will remain in the experience machine, uh, but your brain will continue to experience whatever pleasurable uh, parameters that you set up. Either you, that – okay. What's the alternative? The alternative is you just continue to go about your life as is. 
<laughs> the, the, alter, the alternative is that you continue to you do whatever it is that you do in your life. You have the you work for the man. You get your turkey burgers from Kroger on Thursdays. Is this all Thursdays. to make Abe realize that his life is a pleasure machine? <laughs> this is, <laughs> there is this no is, difference. This is the former example is the blue pill and the latter is the red. I have no idea. Right. So I would go with the easy living. Like to me, is this a, a difficult choice people have? Like I'm eating steak. So this is a, this is a. Are you kidding? Of course I would plug into the experience course, machine. It would not even be close. Of course, first of all, my experience of it would not be like, oh man, I'm plugged into something. I'm just going about my life, right? Well, but what would Bob do? <laughs> I'll imagine him, you know. <laughs> no, but what would, what would just, we? Well, uh, to be fair, I would just roll Abe's uh, casket where he's, he's in his, I'd roll that in front of the mic and be like, here we are, Abe. <laughs> just play some old giggle clips. And, and you'd have like a, a just big soundboard my of my comments like, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> That would be good. Never mind. Look at my coin purse, Bob. (laughs) Yeah, I've got all the material I need. So don't don't worry about me, Abe, as you're making this consideration. When I would watch that part of the problem, are you not supposed to worry about the people that you know? Yeah, that that is certainly one of the concerns. Uh, Very small hurdles to cradle. When I was watching the movie in the theater up in Canada, I thought, what a ridiculous. This is. and, and, And. the idiot chose the other pill. I was like, what are you doing? Like, you had it pretty good. But he, he just wasn't happy. It would have been a boring movie, though. It would be, yeah. Well, yeah, it would be, a, you're That's right. That's why, like, you have to have the idiot sh- For movie purposes, you have to, like, I want more meaning and blah. I've never been that. Just easy living. Are you serious? It, yes, it's not yes, even a question. Are you that serious that you're surprised by his answer? <laughs> I don't do a it. Bit, I am a little bit surprised at the ease with which he's making the decision. Like what about you, you Lori? I don't know. I don't like choosing things. What would you do? I want to do whatever you're doing. It is like incredibly obvious to me that it is the wrong moral and ethical decision to plug into the experience machine. Yeah, but even- I, I would like it. If I didn't have like you and the kids to worry about, then I'd probably just like have a nice time. Right. So like my- I would definitely... Have a nice time if it weren't for you and the kids and like Julia and Nitty. Like, th- there's a few people that are keeping me around. <laughs> you better be nice well, to me. Well, well, Bob, so you're saying even if, like, because, you know, the other choice, like, whatever comes your way, some, what if you, you got no leg? Like, somebody shoots you in the leg, you're like at that. At a supermarket, and something happens, right? And I don't uh, even I don't even consider my pleasure as being terribly meaningful in the world as it is. Like, I'm not here to experience yeah. the maximum amount no, of pleasure. Of I'm here to observe and report. Um, okay, pleasure, maybe occasional pleasure, but like most of the time, just content. Just like this is nice. This is pleasant. Bob doesn't. Have you seen what he does with his life? He goes out of his way to be discontented. That's not true. No. I mean, I just I think so. So, assuming that we're just talking about you as the one person, and you are 
so you have it easy, relatively speaking. You're a single guy. You have aged parents. You don't have to, you know, you have brothers and sisters who can take care of the the parents as as you want them to. So I I think it's a slightly easier decision for a relatively unattached individual to make, right? I like to think that I already made the choice, you know? This is... (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm saying. The trick, it's a trick question. And the answer is, you're living in paradise, Abe. Wow. I, uh... And then if you blow it up a little bit bigger and you you say, what if the entire population could plug into the experience machine and that there there was an AI that was in charge of making sure that it all hummed along appropriately and it never failed? Is Earth a better place if you're just maximizing the pleasure utility of all humans here? I mean, currently, for most people that have ever lived on Earth, it's been uh, rough living, you know? There's people just living hand-to-mouth or getting killed and just living in poverty, right? It's not so good anyway. So most people would probably take this choice. Like, whatever other— You think most people would? I don't know. I've not seen yeah, any recent— a lot of people are not living simple I haven't seen a lot of recent lives. Gallup polling on whether or not you should plug into the experience machine. I mean, don't, I wouldn't present it that way. Like, wouldn't you rather live better? Well, <laughs> that's how yeah. I would dress it up. No, so, no. but the, so in your what you're suggesting is that real that that living in the real world basically has no virtue or no relative virtue to experiencing only pleasure. No, no, I'm saying if that's all there is, I'll take it. This is great. Don't get me wrong. But if you give me a better choice, I'm gonna go with a better choice. And to See, me, would, that would be better. I, I reject it because it's not the real world. Like that is my but, my. But, but what how if this assured isn't the are real you world? that this is also not? I mean, what if the experience feels like this? It feels real, right? We don't know that this. No, is no, no, I'm not uh, right. No, that's the idea. It's a simulation. The, once you're once you're experiencing it, you no longer you you forget that you've made the decision to plug right. into the experience machine, and for all intents and purposes, you're living what feels to you like a real life, right? Right. Yeah. The, the, and that's, the, that. But, but, like, what if part of having pleasure, if you're going to call it that, is getting a ship stuck in the fucking canal sometimes and, like, being annoyed by things and what? solving the problem and the annoying thing going away? Right. I mean, I think that there's an interesting question about can a brain constantly receive pleasure and have it remain pleasurable? You have to just up the dosage all the time. Right. And I think that, sure, the experiment, the thought experiment can be designed in such a way as to say that you will not, that the, the level of pleasure will not diminish over time, that the a, a 10 is still feels like a 10 after you get a 10, 10 straight days, as opposed to being diminished in some way. But I, 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 I think that living in the real world, to the extent that we can say that we actually are, uh, matters. And I would, I would reject the opportunity to plug into the experience machine. Well, like if I'm in this pretend experience machine, are puzzles still hard? Because what (laughs) I like about puzzles is that they're hard. Right. That's, that's the thing. I mean, as long as it's not this pleasure on 10 forever would be too monotonous and boring. Like I don't want to only be good at puzzles. I want to struggle with the right. puzzle right. but in an ideal world i have time to just do puzzles all the time yeah i mean i'm sure that the machine can be ga- calibrated in such a way to right. maximize the amount of pleasure that you derive from doing the puzzle such that you're not simply becoming frustrated with it and such that it's not so easy that it doesn't give you the the little tickle in the back of your brain that puzzles do 
I just think it's like, I don't know what it is. I think that it is so obvious to me that there's no way that I would choose that life over. You think it's like some sort of abdication or some sort of moral responsibility to do what? Just, you know, make the world better? No, it's obvious to me that you feel that way and that Abe feels the way he feels. Like, that's perfectly clear. Yeah. And I'll do whatever, as usual. Yeah. When the ball is in play, it doesn't matter where the ball came from. You know, it's totally fine. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Head on over to the website at brainiron.com. Click around there for a show note. We'll have all of the links and videos that we talked about in today's episode. Email the show, brainironpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter. Opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig. Abe, you watched anything good lately? You know, I started watching... um the Larry Sanders show. I don't know if you've heard of this show, but nice. it's yeah, really yeah. good. Like I yeah, watched like, the I've whole never seen, first season. I've not seen a lot of. Right. Yeah, I've just seen episodes here and there. I've never watched the whole thing. It's so it's probably good. Uh, the Hayna guy is pretty good. Tambor is it? He's good. Very funny. I uh, did finish uh, the bridge to whatever Terra thing just to follow up on the last bridge week. to Terabithia. Yeah. You finished that YA book? Wow. Um, I, I, this is the first book that I realized, like, some books a 38-year-old man should not be reading. It just wasn't... That's what uh, I was saying! <laughs> Did it make, make you feel gross? Did no, you feel I, gross? I, I was just like, oh, some kid died. Who cares? Like, I just I was like, this is not the reaction that the book <laughs> wants people to have. So, I, I, at least it was Spoiler a quick alert. read. And uh, now I'm reading the Animal Farm one, which is slightly, nice. slightly better, you know. Slightly better, <laughs> With uh, one of the classics I, I, of the Western I, canon, you're it's talking also, about. It's also a short book, but so far these people can't see the ruse that these pigs are on. Like, come on, I, I sussed them out from the get go. These assholes. I don't know how it ends. Oh yeah, but you, you figured out who the bad guy was yeah, in the fucking Animal Farm. Pigs, yeah, couldn't, couldn't pigs slip like, that past of, you. Of course, we'll eat all the apples. You know, we need it for brain thinking. Come on. We watched uh, the Queen's Gambit this last week. Oh, the chess movie, right? With the drugs. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. What did you did you I, did you you watch that? I watched like the first six or seven episodes. It wasn't too bad. Not too shabby. There's, there's only eight episodes. Yeah, I know. I, I think there's only seven episodes, right? <laughs> what? There's what? eight. You watched seven I of eight watched episodes. Most of them. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes the I stop end was stuff. my favorite part. Okay, so I'll finish it. But it was no, there's good. seven episodes. Yeah. Oh, just, well, just the, the end whole, was my favorite part. Just the whole drug stuff was weird. It's it's upsetting to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I, had the, I mean, Peasy. I enjoyed the show. It's it it it's not. I, I guess I don't know why it became as big as it did briefly there in the culture. It was fine. She was good. The the actress was good. The I, boys in the show were good too. How like unattractive they were. It was hilarious <laughs> to me that at the end of this series about this girl becoming so like great. coming into her own, and it's all about her. Uh, you know the old expression. Uh, behind every great man, there's a there's a great woman right. or whatever, right? Like that. That's yeah, what yeah. they say. In the in the peak emotional moment of the show, to that point, basically, she gets on the phone with a room full of dudes to get advice from them about what to do, <laughs> and it's like <laughs> two of them she's had sex with, right? Yeah. And every. <laughs> And in that, it was amusing to me that in that moment they chose to go because with of behind that, every great woman chess yeah. player, there's a room full of fucking nerdy but dudes it helping because her. Because I think it was her mother who said, "Boys are gonna, there's gonna be men who tell you what to do, and you should 
like listen to what they have to say and then totally disregard it and <laughs> yeah. do what you think. Yeah. And it, that's what she did. It worked. Right. right. There was, and I don't want to tell anybody how to make the show. Uh, obviously I do, but they, they should have made more clear that what happened was that all of their advice had to be thrown out the window and she had to do the thing that she does best, which is to just react and to play intuitive right. chess. Right. And, I mean, it, I think it was pretty clear, and when I, I don't want to say, like, oh, I noticed it, and so nobody else did, and only I figured it out, which is obviously not the case. But I think it could have been... It could have been clearer. A little bit more explicit that she was doing the thing that her mother had told her she needed to do, like, in episode two or three, right. which is to just play intuitively and, and to do what to do that in order to win. Um, also, I liked how ugly the dudes were. <laughs> yeah. It's important because well, they, that's what real life is like. <laughs> They're not cute. <laughs> She's gorgeous. <laughs> They're all whatever. Did you, you know, um, this is not part of my uh, end of segment thing, but there was some article that said that apparently people burn like 5,000 calories playing chess or they can. That's intense. You ever play chess? Our son runs a fever playing video games. Right, but at least there's some sort of physical, like chess is just like, all right, I'm losing. There's no physical activity playing video games. Have we ever played chess? I know we played a lot of Abalone. I don't know how much chess we played. I've lost to Calvin at checkers, so probably Hey, you got anything else for us tonight? I do actually, Bob. As we enter that most holy of weeks on the Christian calendar, I'm reminded of one of my favorite stories uh, about one of the most esteemed figures in the history of the Catholic Church, St. Francis of Assisi. St. Francis, or Francesco, as he was known, was of course a great teacher. One day, a young brother was troubled that a demon kept appearing before him in the form of Jesus Christ, insisting that both he and St. Francis were predestined for hell. St. Francis advised that the next time the Christ demon proclaimed his damnation, just tell him, open your mouth and I'll shit in it. And the creature would flee, proving that he was a demon and not Jesus. The demon does indeed show up again, and the brother says, open your mouth and I'll shit in it. And the creature leaves in a huff. So remember, if anybody out there sees any Jesuses this week, St. Francis says you can tell him to kiss your ass. I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then, and we will... Talk to you next time. Later. So my favorite part about that (laughs) is the implication. It's not quite explicit, (laughs) but I think it's clear that if the demon had actually turned out to be Jesus, he would have opened wide. (laughs) Yeah, it's like turn the other cheek. I mean, this is more than. <laughs> this is, <laughs> this but is it's high, the same. It's the, neighborly. This is a there's high a, wire act. The, there's reason to believe that this is possibly, like, not where the phrase "kiss my ass" comes from, but like you can trace "kiss right. my ass" yeah. all the way back to right. the year fucking 1200 with Saint Francis giving the advice that. Uh, you should tell the devil to sh- that open his mouth so you can take a shit in it. Like it's the exact that's the exact same chain of etymology that that kiss my ass comes from. That's but, fucking 
amazing. That yeah, that makes it. Although it's it's the demons have uh, a higher standard, I guess. They're like fuck this, I'm gonna torture you, but not to this point. Like, wh- why would that scare them away? I would just continue. Just I think tor- the idea is that the devil doesn't like being told that he is the receptacle for such things. Okay. That- that's that a the devil for him. basically is is shamed by the fact that it would be appropriate for you to shit in my mouth. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, it's whatever. weird how he had that chambered that suggestion. It's like I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not just what to do in this situation. Such a weird. There's any uh, any other thing you'd have told them, but great man that Francesco. Yeah, Saint Francis. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Good night. What a great joke. <laughs> One of my jokes from 2018, I posted a link to CDC Warren's Don't Eat Any Romaine Lettuce. And my commentary was, well, there goes the weekend. <laughs> I laughed about that for like five minutes the other night. <laughs> Incredible house or building or whatever you want to call it because there really is no name for it. It is special and we keep it in tip top shape. We call it sometimes tippy top shape and it's a great, great place. My name is Bob. Sitting across the way from my good friend and co host. How you doing, Abe? Open your mouth and I'll shit in it, Bob. You should just uh, settle for just a punch in the nuts.